Byron, Mississippi. It's Lakeshore Church. Jesus, during the Last Supper, just out of the blue, you're talking about strange now, this is strange. He looks at Simon Peter, surely, and he says, Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Lord, he told him, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus speaking to Peter, he said, I tell you, Peter, he said, the rooster will not crow today until you deny me three times that you know me. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord. You know my heart. I desire to bring glory and honor to you. So I ask that my words would be yours, my thoughts would be yours, and every one of us, Lord, here today would gleam from what is here, whether the realness of the enemy, what you have done to, to sustain us, or our responsibility as believers in Christ. Lord, I pray that you would bring glory and honor to yourself, and we'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory for all that you do. For we ask it in bread in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Talk about strange. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is as strange as it gets. Can you imagine? Uh, I like the realness of, of things. Can you imagine what it was like? They were the Last Supper. They'd already heard things that were concerning. They, they knew some of the things were full circle, closing in on the Lord, if you will. And they're having this, this supper that we now know to be the sacraments and communion. And Jesus had just taken them through that and how moving that must have been. It still is for us today, looking back 2,000 years. But then all of a sudden, just out of the blue, with no, <laughs> no lead up whatsoever, he looks at Simon Peter and says these words that you heard. The enemy, the devil, Lucifer himself, has asked to sift you as wheat. And then it, it goes from there. Strange. It's strange that he talked about the heavenlies. Somehow or another, he knew that Lucifer, the devil, had asked the Father for permission. We'll, we'll talk more about that. He talked about the devil himself. Really concerns me today. It's unique with the, the, the uh, teenagers being back from camp and a lot of things that you hear today. We've almost made the devil out to be a fictional character. It's something along the lines that, that, that we just, is he really real or is it just something we've conjured up to, to define things? Hmm. I, I just said this about it. It was almost, for, for modern day, that was pretty twilight kind of zone kind of stuff, twilight zone. But not only was it strange, but it was very strong. As it points toward you and me and what we're going to do with the Lord, very strong. Um, I miss saying this um, in the first service, but... Um, I, I'm a big dreamer. I dream a lot. Most of the time somebody's chasing me and shooting at me or something. It's crazy. I think it usually has something to do with what I ate for supper the night before. I don't know. Sometimes it's the TV's left on and I do a lot of that kind of stuff. But uh, last night I had a spiritual warfare dream. And, and it came to me. I was driving in this morning and I thought about how, and it was very, I mean, it alarmed me when I awakened about that kind of stuff. And so I don't know if it's there. I, I'm not to the point to tell you that God wants me to share the detail. No, but it was very alarming. And, and it wasn't that I saw the enemy. I wasn't, didn't see the Lord. It, it wasn't even a spiritual context. It was really in our life, everyday life, our struggles and, and the alarm that comes along. But I want to show you some things that I believe greatly. And I'm going to ask you to do this, and I don't ask for this much. There's a lot of times... Uh, about the time we get to the invitation or, or we're closing out, somebody's got to go, somebody does this, and then we get up and go, I want you to receive every bit of this because this might be exactly what you need today. 
Because I think there's a, a, a vast majority of people, even in the Christian community, that do not understand spiritual warfare. That don't understand the, the desire of the enemy today. We've almost made him out to be a fictional character or some kind of ambience or some kind of essence instead of he is a real being desiring to, to steal, kill, and destroy, as it says about the thief. But I want to start here with this. And three times today in the next few minutes, I'm going to deal with four things, okay? So in Ephesians chapter 4, my favorite chapter for Christian growth in the entire Word of God, but in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27, we find these words. It says, be angry and do not sin. That helps me today when I see the political environment of our world, <laughs> that I believe that there's some things ought to boil your temperature and they're not sin but just because you get angry, all right? There's some things that should bother us people. As believers in Christ, it should bother us some of the things that are going on in our world and even that are being accepted in the church as being truth and right and okay when God's word says counter to that. Be angry and sin, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. That's a, that's a good one, isn't it? It's hard to carry stuff into the next day if you don't let it get there. And don't give the devil an opportunity. Don't give him a place, as it says in the King James, okay? So there's the passage, and I want you to just, just think through me with this. First, I realize that there are occasions. If you're, if you're not supposed to give him an opportunity, then there are occasions that the devil will confront you with things in your life. Words that we don't use much because maybe it offends, but we don't talk much about being tempted. I don't hear people saying that they're, they're having temptations anymore. My pastor used to say, if you're not being tempted, he might already have you. So there's occasions that the, the enemy, the devil will confront us, tempt us, or move on us with things. It will happen. Secondly, there's an operation here. The level of existence, I believe, in spiritual warfare is often overlooked or understood. Let me show it to you in Ephesians chapter 6. Um, the, many of you would know, if you've been around church at all, you've heard about the full armor of God, right? Helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness. You know, those, those tales. I want to show you what's said, what Paul wrote before he got into the whole armor of God. I'm not going to read about the whole armor of God. You can go read the rest of the chapter. But I want to show you how he prefaced it. He said, finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Watch this. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of who? Real person. Real being. Verse number 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of, his dark, of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. Let me tell you how it happens. This might be news to you. You come to a church service. You don't really know me. And all of a sudden, it's like I've been reading your mail. You know what that is? That's spiritual warfare. You come to a church service. Maybe somebody says something. The pastor gets up. Maybe the worship. Something offends well, I don't want to hear that. I don't think that has a place. I don't want to hear anything about that. And, what, and we turn it off. You know what that is? Spiritual warfare. God knocks on our door. Well, I ain't got time to do that. I, I can't make that commitment. I can't live it. I can't, I can't, I can't. You know what that is? That's spiritual warfare. The enemy desiring for me to live less than God's privileges in my life. For, for, him to, for me to settle for at least second in my life that God has something pr pr pristine for me is spiritual warfare. Many, many times. I've seen it happen on a many different levels where the enemy comes in like a flood and tries to steal, kill, and destroy, as it says about the thief. So there's spiritual warfare that goes on. Two other things I think about is this thing of oppression. And what I mean by oppression is trouble. You're going to hear this a lot in the next few minutes, but we are not guaranteed not to have trouble in our life. I need to say this is a minister of the gospel. 
Sometimes people think I sit up here and okay, because he's a, a, a pastor and because he's a preacher and because he's got the platform and because he's been redeemed, I don't have any trouble. Jesus said to counter that, in this world you will have trouble. You're going to see that on occasion too here. But he also said in that same verse in John 16, his desire for us is for us to have peace. So I want to tell you that in this world of trouble, it is possible to have peace in trouble. And some will say, well, how can you do that? That's, those are oxymorons. That can't happen. Yes, it can. Because in a world of trouble... In my spiritual life, I can have peace. <laughs> you know, that somebody wrote it that sometimes he calms the storm, but other times he calms the child that's in the storm. Sometimes my circumstances might never change on this side of eternity. But in the next life, God guarantees me it's going to take care of itself. Great conversation before church or right after church began with a couple of dear ladies in our church, and we were talking about this, is that you know, it's amazing the promises that God's made us. But before we get there, we will have oppression in this life. Now, we're not supposed to have the mully grubs and, oh, pity me. I like what Paul referred to as, listen, how dare me think I shouldn't have issue when Jesus had all the issues to redeem me. We should be excited. We should even have joy, something, an emotion that says, thank you, God, for allowing me to be a part of your suffering because of how much you went to for me to be redeemed. And then one more thing, I think about our occupation. He didn't leave Peter in the dark. See, folks, you're going to hear it again and again from me. You want me to tell you how you get out of the doldrums? You want me to tell you how you gain victory in your life and how you sustain it in your life? You do it by serving other people. We in American society have become very self-promoted. In other words, what are you going to do for me? What's the commercial going to do for me? What's the restaurant going to do for me? What's the church going to do for me? What's God going to do for me? Instead of me emulating and imitating that in my life of serving someone else the way I've been served. Pretty good. We are strengthened by Christ. And he says, in that, go and strengthen other people is what he told Peter. That's the first four. You're scared to death. We're a third away into it. I got four questions that came out of my study that I want to ask and, 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 and answer as well. And here's some things we need to know. First today, as a real individual, what does the enemy desire according to this passage? And let me say this, and you need to get it. Lucifer, the devil, Satan is not a fictional character. He is as real as you and me. He doesn't have flesh. He's a spiritual being, but he exists. He was even created by God, and he fell from heaven because he wanted to be God. He wasn't enough to be under God. He wanted to be God, and therefore he forfeited eternity in heaven because of that. But he's real, and we need to hear that. And I hear so much today, and we need to be reminded, and he's not a picture. You, you need to get the, the little devil, the little red creature with the, you know, the pitchfork. You need to get that out of your mind. No, he's as real as you and me, and his desire is to cause much. You'll see it in just a second. He's real. He's not the summation of negative energy. He's a real being. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 said he's like a lion. He's prowling around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. His desire today. And you know, people, what happens, and I'm going to show you some things today, is that we negate this kind of stuff. It's not just negating that. If you negate that, you negate the whole story. Hmm. You're going to see that. What's the devil's desire? You know, Satan, I love the way the passage started, is that Peter, he says to Peter that Satan asked. He asked. He asked to sift you as wheat. 
I don't know if this jogs your memory, but there's another place in Scripture where it says that the enemy asked permission to cause somebody issue, and it's found in the book of Job. Hmm. So we have an Old Testament character, and I love this when you can take an Old Testament character and a New Testament character, and they're, exactly, they're very much the same. That lets me know that it's real. And it didn't just start because Jesus came. He's been around as, as long as, as we know he fell from heaven. Listen to me. He asked permission. Hmm. I wonder this, and it's something that I thought about. I've already shared the scripture with you. The scripture says don't give opportunity to the devil. I believe this. I believe if I have an unsurrendered area in my life where the enemy can operate in my life, he doesn't have to go to the throne room to get permission. If I have a place that, he, that I've given over to him, maybe it's a habit, maybe it's a vice, maybe it's a behavior, maybe it's something in my past, maybe it's something God's dealt with me about and I don't live in victory, but I, I succumb to it over and over again. Let me tell you something. The enemy doesn't have to go through the throne room to get permission. I wrote this out and, and it's defined as could it be, but watch this. Could it be? If you're not in the family, the enemy doesn't have to ask. See, I wonder how many times people say, well, man, the devil's after me. And I think we need to define after me. Have I given him a toe hold that led to a shin hold that led to a knee hold and then got my whole leg and my whole life? Am I letting him exist in some area of my life instead of being surrendered and committed to the Lord? His desire is destruction, folks. He desires to sift, sift, uh, sift us as wheat. It's a major thought. It's a major thought along these lines as you look at that. Is he asking permission to do something in your life or is he doing it? You say, Brother Jay, is there really that big a difference? There's a humongous a difference. He's having to go through the throne room to get permission to cause me ill in my life or do I have an unsurrendered area in my life and he's just hanging out having a heyday and I've given him permission to do so. What are the devil's desires? Secondly, let me give you another question. How is Jesus involved? Simply to tell you some big words that we use, but he's interceding for you and me. He's, his business is intercession. Jesus prays. This is huge. Had said, I always liked the two services and in between talking to folks that were in the first. And I already had two or three conversations with people. One said, I'd never thought about that before. I'd never, and as a, I'd say a, a, a lay scholar really is in God's word every day for much time. So I never really thought about Jesus praying for me. This was really hit me in the sermon. I want to remind you that Jesus is for you. My lifetime, I've been in the church my whole life. I, I don't remember not ever going to church, okay? I mean, I was just there. Even, even when I ran from the Lord to live at home, I had to go to church, so I found a dead church to go to. I'm not kidding you, it's a true story. I've always gone to church, even when I was running from the Lord in a period of my life. But I've always been fascinated by some things. I, I grew up, some of you, in your background, it would be totally different than mine. Um, there's a lot out there. There's a lot of theology today that I believe is not found in the Word of God, by the way. There's a lot out there. People that say that you're going to sin in thought, word, and deed every day. To me, that gives more credit in what the devil did in the garden with Adam and Eve than what Jesus did on the cross for you and me. Oh, Brother Jay, well, go, go dig it out. But I find some things that are very unique. I grew up, listen, this is going to get you. I grew up in this deal. No matter how close you grew to the Lord, this is the way I felt it was preached to me. No matter how, how close you live to the Lord, if you mess up on Sunday morning and you, you got killed coming to church, you, you, you going to hell. One sin, you're a goner. Hmm. One sin, you're a goner. And there was a passage that I came across in study that really helped me with that. That was sort of a scary thing. See, I believe that when you sin, God's still for you. 
I would, I would caution you, don't make it a habit that thinking God is okay with anything and everything you want to do. There's no theology for that either. But I want to show it to you. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. My little children, let me just ask you as a scholar, you ready? As a theologian, if somebody says, my little children, are you in the family or outside the family? We're in the family. All right? So my little children, these things I write unto you that what? That you sin not. <laughs> See, folks, we need, we need to get back in the word and see what God expects of us. Today, the rest of this day, God Almighty desires for you to live in such a way, desire to live in such a way that you sin not. Not, well, I got to go do, I can't do any better and I'm just this old sinner. No, God's saved us to more than that. Well, Brother Jay, are you talking about we're never going to sin? No. You know, but I, I believe with everything about me, I'm sinning less today than I was a few years ago. If not, I haven't grown too much. Now listen to me. It gets better. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. <laughs> it's a big word, but he's the propitiation for our sins. And not only our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. See, there's so much out there today that Jesus didn't die for all. He died for some. Well, why would, he, why would he inspire somebody to put the sins of the whole world if that doesn't apply to the whole world? You following me? Now, I told you, it's not going to be as much rah-rah today. <laughs> I had somebody, oh, listen, just last night I was having a conversation with somebody about the sermon, and they asked the question. They said, listen, are you going to holler like you've been hollering in the last few weeks? And then I said, no, no, I think I'm going to be more emotional. And then I started hollering in the first service anyway. But this is huge, and we got to get it. We got to get it. All right? Right now, for you and me, we got to understand this. All right? What is Jesus doing? Jesus is praying for you right now. Isn't that neat? You say, Are you just talking about that person that's lost, that needs Christ, that's in the service today, or watching on Facebook? No, no, no. Even you, wherever you are in your life, God, Jesus is interceding for you. See, if you want to go literally, Peter was already in with Jesus, and yet the enemy was after him. For him to sell short. Romans chapter 8, verse 34, watch this. And this is who is the one who condemns? I just want to tell you, Jesus doesn't condemn you, by the way. John 3 17, go read it. It's pretty neat. It's, it's, it's almost as good as 3 16. John 3 16. Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised, and he's also at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. I looked up a definition for intercede, and this is what it says from the dictionary it says, the act of intervening on behalf of another. I want you to get this today, and we'll move on. But right now, you, ne you need to hear this. I don't know where you are in your journey. I, I don't know how successful you are in your spiritual life or how defeated you are. I don't know who's in the room today that knows the Lord and who doesn't know the Lord. I, I don't know if you're hypocritical in your behaviors. You clean up well on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, you're far from God. I don't know. But you know what I do know? No matter where you are, Jesus is interceding for you. Don't look to your right or left. Don't think about somebody else that needs to hear this more than you do. No matter where you are in your journey, whether you're fighting hell with a water pistol and it's going real well and you've just got victory after victory in your life, Jesus is still praying for you. Because you know what? If you're doing that, then the enemy is on your trail, I guarantee you. And I can't think of something that sums up this passage any better than the people that were doing so much for God and they failed miserably. I could name you a list of six to 12 people, probably six, 10 or 12 people in the history of my faith experience 
that have let me down royally. And some of them I know very well, but some of them I don't even know. I just know them as figureheads for the cause of Christ that have brought much, much issue to the cause of Christ because they failed miserably. You know what happened? The enemy won. But you know what I also know? Even when they were messing up, Jesus was still praying for them. Let me give you two more questions. I got to move on. Won't stay there long. Third, the third question is, does faith matter? Faith matters, folks, because it keeps us from failing. That's the answer. Again, remember, Jesus didn't say that we wouldn't have trouble, but we would have trouble. Not that he authored, but because of the fall of man, it's normal and natural for us to have trouble in our life. Hmm. We just lost a, a pioneer uh, of the faith, and uh, Charles Stanley just passed away some time back, and, and I found this quote, and I thought, man, it's so good. I'm talking about does faith matter? He says this, when trouble comes, focus on God's ability to care for you. I, I, I feel guilty just reading that because, you know, we do a lot of time when trouble comes along first, we think, now, what did I do to deserve that? You know, that's not right. But could it be sometimes we need to understand that things happen regardless of where we are with our walk with God? Sometimes, this might blow you away, sometimes God, like Job and like Peter, sometimes God allows it for his will, as strange as that is, through that trouble for him to be glorified in some capacity. The fourth and final question here along these lines is this. Do we have strength? I want to answer this in really two ways. I believe, I believe Peter had strength when he served. <laughs> hmm? Other people are strengthened when we serve them. I believe it's both ways. Do we have strength? Yes, in serving. I'll go, I'll go to my dying days. You're going to hear it over and over and over and over again. If today you're having a miserable time, what I need to do, Brother Jay, I, listen, you can come up with all kinds of things, read all kinds of self-helps. The, one of the best things I think you can do is serve someone else. The moment that we turn it inward, the, one, the moment it becomes my suffering, the moment that, that it's like, what in the world is going on? And we look inward is when I think real struggle occurs. I even wrote it down this way. Serving is the source to spiritual longevity. I don't know. Maybe it's getting older. Maybe it's almost 58. Maybe it's been in the ministry for 37 years. I've done some recollecting and, and people that used to be on fire for God and today they're just sort of warm. What happened to them? Did they get beat up so bad that they're not on the front line anymore? What happened to them? Some people that I know, man, they, they, were, they were on fire. <laughs> well, did they burn up? What happened to them? I've often wondered, I, I wonder this in light of this. I wonder what happens. Think about Peter. He did not leave Peter that the devil's after you. He didn't leave Peter that I prayed for you. He didn't leave Peter that you're going to suffer trouble in your life. You know where he took him to? When you come through this, serve someone else. When you come through this, look around at someone else that's going through it and bring them along with you. In other words, don't get caught up. Listen, we need to hear this church. We talk about spiritual warfare. Don't get caught up. I'm thinking about it right now. I almost think it's the enemy in here. As I've, I've thought about this room, there's 10 or 12 right now. I could name what you got going through. This is what I want to tell you today. Listen to me. Quit thinking about what's going on with you and start thinking about someone else. Receive this now. Amen? See, get your eyes off. Jay's got to get his eyes off the Jay and get them on someone else, and that will fix me. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Give, and it shall be given unto you. But as long as I am receiving and it's about me, then God can't do his whole work in my life. 
It must be for you because I didn't say that at the first service. Not even close. Listen, we got to get this, folks. He did not leave Peter in his misery. He didn't leave Peter in the temptation. He didn't leave Peter in his denial. He didn't even leave Peter in his love and his prayers for him. He reminded him that this is not going to last forever. I've come to tell you it's not going to last forever. There is a heaven after this life. It's not going to last forever. Even if you've got to tote that burden all the way to the end of life, it's not yours forever. He's screaming again, and I'm loving it, but I'm fixing to pass out. Get it. you got to get it. Mm. How long are you going to let the enemy hang out in that thing? How dare us, I've already said it, give more credit to the enemy in the garden than we do to our God with his son on the cross. Man, Jay needs to hear that if I hear anything else. Mm. He didn't leave Peter in the situation. He showed him prophetically what he was going to do afterwards. And you know the great news? Bless God, Peter did it. (laughs) That's the great news. Now, I got four more for you. Think you can handle them? They're really just, I, I called them nuggets, just true nuggets to remember. And I'll try to make them through because they bless my heart. First, I need to establish something for you. First one is this. The story is real. The story's real. This is not a colloquial, this is not a pleasant story that Jesus came up with or some writer came up with to make a point. The devil is as real as you and me. The devil desires to sift you like wheat. It's real. Let me tell you what's been on my mind now for at least a year, maybe two. If this story is not real, then maybe Jesus is not real. Hmm. Today we think nothing of somebody that's got their five minutes of fame on social media, so it's easy for them to say, I'm an atheist. Well, let me tell you something. Maybe that applies. Maybe, maybe you've struggled enough, you've heard enough that you think, well, maybe they're right. Maybe Brother Jay's just on something. Maybe he's manipulating it so people will show up and pay tithes or something. But let me tell you something. If somewhere in your mind you think God's not real, then that means creation's not real. And if creation's not real, then that means the fall of man is not real. And if the fall of man is not real, then that means what Jesus did on the cross is not real. That means salvation is not real. And that means man is still in their sin. But let me tell you what is real. If we do not have the sin issue remedied through the blood of Jesus Christ, the last place will be hell that we'll spend forever. See, real quiet in here, and it should be. I've heard about enough this much of people today, even people in the church that believe that, that somehow or another have a belief system that say, does it really matter? Listen, folks, it matters. The story is real. Secondly, I want to show you something. Not only is the story real, but there's a statement that's made that's extremely powerful. I've already talked about it. This so blessed my heart and study. There's got some, I got some things going on in my life, okay? Personal and professional. Some things where the enemy hangs out. 
I mean, you know, I've said this as a pastor. You can always find a bigger church. You notice that? There's always the enemy that hangs out in our inferiorities. He's always there to trip us up and confuse us. He's always there to make us feel less of, of who we are. But I want you to know right now, whatever's going on in your life, man, they just more and more, I just see people and I know their situation. I want you to hear these words from Jesus. I'm praying. 